WWE Hall of Famer Teddy Long, and you're about to go one on one with Talking Taker. Holla. Take it easy. Take it easy. I got you. Take it easy. <laughs> well, it's a long career to talk about. Come take our last ride and hear about Every pay-per-view will break it down From 1990 to the final farewell There goes a hero Watch him as he goes There goes a hero, a taker easy. All right, creatures of the night and all our loyal members of the Pod Street crew out there, welcome to Talking Taker, our encyclopedic exploration, digging up the career of the greatest professional wrestling character of all time, The Undertaker. I am not joined tonight by my tag team partner and my wrestling buddy, Mr. Travis White, but I am joined by, I would say, a founding member of the Pod Street crew out there, uh, one of our loyalist uh, Talking Taker friends, a member of the Talking Taker family. He is the originator of our brother podcast, uh, someone who has, I guess he has technically uh, been on the show, I, I would say, besides me and Travis. I think you have technically been on the show more times than any other guest now, officially. Mr. Mike Prue. And Mike, I invite you on here tonight because I wanted to raise a toast to you and to your podcaster partner, JV, absolutely, because you guys are coming up here uh, in a few weeks on your fifth anniversary of the Bottom Line Wrestling Cast, and that is crazy, man. Time has flown by. Can you believe it's been five years since you and JV started this thing? I cannot believe that at all, but thank you for that great introduction. Uh, yeah, you guys know me. I've been on a bunch of times. <laughs> but, yeah, I can't believe it. it's been five years I mean, just, you know, you, you're in the same position, too. You're six years now, Six years right? now, yeah. So where does the time go? <laughs> like, well, it goes to a lot of this and a lot of, a lot of watching like, WWE Network and Peacock. Good point. <laughs> good point. Yeah, where does the time go? It does go to doing this. But it just seems like it's such a part of our lives now. Yeah. And it's just more routine. It's like, oh, that's the thing I do now. You know, I don't get paid for it or anything, right. but, you know, but, hey, I got to do it, you know? Yeah, like, uh, you, you, you and I, well, both of our shows, we went from weekly to, uh, you know, we do ours monthly or once or twice a month. You guys do yours a couple times a month. And when when we made that transition, it felt weird to not yep. go every Tuesday at 9 o'clock or whenever me and Travis would record. I was like, okay, it's it's our recording night. What am I, what am I supposed to do here? I don't know what to do with this free time. Yeah, I, I was just talking to JV on a, one of our latest episodes about this, and it's like, how did, how did we do that every week? Yeah, <laughs> like, that's too. Now that we're not doing it every week, it's like, how did we find the time? Because now, doing it every two weeks, 
I feel like we are not ready to go when it's time to go. Or yeah. it's just like, oh, well, we got to watch this, got to get this ready. And it's like before we were like on top of it, like on it. So I don't know. I guess maybe it's like kind of like we were talking before the episode started recording. We we're talking about like heading into retirement, like one day down the road. <laughs> it's like <laughs> both of our podcasts are kind of like in post-retirement mode. Like we were tired, but we got to keep working. <laughs> so, exactly. <laughs> so we're just like, all right, let's. Well, I'm not gonna work every day. I'm gonna I'll work a couple days a week. No, <laughs> you know? we're in the mix. And that's what we're doing as podcasters now. We're just hanging in there. Yeah, we're in. Uh, we're the WrestleMania part timers. You know, we, we come in every every few weeks, every few months. And, you know, and, and uh, have a big spot fest or whatever. But uh, yeah, actually, I was listening back to your first episode a little bit earlier today. And you said, I, <laughs> no, I mean, uh, so, uh, it actually sounds really good. And you guys have the format down, uh, but you said a couple funny things in the first episode. Uh, you said, you know, we got this mapped out and uh, I think we'll be done in about a year. <laughs> Here we are five years later, still going strong. I mean, at this point we are extending. <laughs> we're just true. We're just doing, we're hanging on. You, yeah, uh, that's funny. you said, you know, we, we might go back and hit some of, you know, the early Stone Cold stuff. Like we might do a little watch along for a little Stone Cold and Bobby Eaton match. And uh, I thought that was funny because you've been doing Stunning Steve Austin now for uh, like a dozen episodes of that. And there's been yeah. a lot of Stone Cold Bobby Eaton coverage in there. Yeah. I mean, we didn't really know what the plan was, <laughs> I guess, when we started. You know, everything evolves and changes. But then, yeah. It, Go ahead. Well, you said uh, you said something that Travis and I were guilty of. Also, you said we're gonna try to keep these probably an hour or less. You know, <laughs> right? Because at the time when we started these podcasts, you know, that was like the demo, like demographic. Like it had to be an hour. Like that's what people want to listen to. And I eventually get to the point where it's like, yeah, forget that. You know? Yeah, do I what we, do what we want to do and. You know, give it justice. If if we're happy talking about it, we we'll just keep going. If people like it, they'll listen. If not, they won't. But essentially, it's a hobby for us, and we weren't trying to capitalize on making money or anything. So it was just whatever. We just put out what we put out. Well, I don't think you can come out of the gate strong as to uh, two, two newbies, two nobodies. Say, we're going to drop a four-hour podcast right here. You want to ease right. into that and develop that relationship with the audience. Then when they start liking you, you can, yeah. you know, you have that freedom and flexibility. And uh, I think you have developed that. And uh, I'm excited that you guys are still going and you've been going strong. But uh, uh, I just wanted to talk. Yeah, I thought it'd be fun to just get to know you a little bit more and get to know, you know, the, the story behind the bottom line cast. Uh, and then you and I are going to do a little watch along for a classic Stone Cold and Undertaker match. Uh, we've done a few of those, but we're going to do the first one from Monday Night Raw, at least in the WWF. Uh, so that'll be still to come here. But Mike Pru, man, tell me about you. Tell me, like, what's your earliest wrestling memory? What was your first time you can remember seeing pro wrestling on TV? On TV, my my first memory is actually not TV. It's oh being in live attendance wow and i don't even know why i recall this memory i just i would uh, you would think i'm too young to have memories of this but it was 1986 december of 1986 so i would have been just about to be four because my birthday is january 5th 
So it was the end of December. It was like a week later. It was my birthday. So I'm three. And I'm at the Providence Civic Center in Rhode Island. And it's a house show. And my uncle and my father always went to house shows together. And at that time, I guess they thought, okay, it's time to bring them. <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> or it was just like my dad was stuck with me. My, my parents are divorced, so it might have been the day that my dad had me. Like, all right, we're going to wrestle. He's he's gonna he's coming too. Yeah. And it was uh, Hulk Hogan versus Jake the Snake Roberts was the main event. And the image just stood out that I never forgot. We were in the, like the very last row, very last section, and it was that match: Hulk Hogan, Jake the Snake. And at the end, it was just powder everywhere. <laughs> Cover though. What happened was Jake had powder. He's going to throw in Hogan's face. Hogan punched him, and then the powder went all over the place. And the crowd popped, and it's just, oh, what a scene. It's just a cloud of dust. Yeah. And that image stuck in my head. That's what I remember as being my first wrestling memory. And I got a T-shirt, too. So that was something that I was able to have as like a keepsake that reminded me of actually being there and man i'm always making bad decisions when i buy wrestling merch <laughs> and, <laughs> and my shirt was uh george the animal steel hey that's not the I'm, an, with that. I'm an animal lover sure <laughs> yeah. yeah that's what it was i'm an animal lover <laughs> and actually there was another boy that went with me it was my um my dad's girlfriend's son he got tagged along with me. So I guess that was a way to kind of like connect us together. Like, yeah. oh, we're like brothers now, whatever. <laughs> but I don't know him anymore. So anyway, but he made the right choice. He got the classic Jake the Snake Robin shirt. Mm, that's a good one. Yeah. I mean, how, so. how could you not be hooked from that? Like uh, that visual at that age, these guys larger than life. I mean, two still the biggest icons ever uh, I'm sure Jake had the snake out there in the ring at some point I mean what a spectacle yeah it's a great memory and from that point on that's when I started to watch wrestling because my uncle would tape wrestling Okay. you know he'd tape everything Saturday morning superstars or wrestling challenge whatever it was so I would always get those tapes yeah. And oftentimes not give them back. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> oh, that damn kid never gave the tapes back. <laughs> so you, you had your WWE Network, you had your Peacock right there building up early on from the yeah. early days. Yep. Um, so who were, I mean, obviously you love Georgie Animal Steel. I mean, who are some of your <laughs> other favorite guys there when you were uh, really young? All right, so early on, I went through lulls, I guess. Like, I'd, I'd watched early on, but then wouldn't for a while. Then go back into I think after 86, 87, I just have a memory blink, I guess. I don't remember watching the stuff from 87 and 88 live. I don't really remember watching it live again until 1990. Mm, okay. But I, I know the live experience, but then on TV... I have that gap. So I remember now from that point, WrestleMania 6. So, WrestleMania 6, Ultimate Warrior. So, I loved the Ultimate Warrior in 1990. I was never really a Hulkamaniac. That's crazy. That's crazy you yeah. were a kid at that age and you weren't really connected oh, to the Hulk. 
I think I was annoyed as a kid by him. Really? Because <laughs> I'd go to wrestling shows, like from ninety through ninety-two, and he was never there. Mm. Like all the house shows I went to, Hulk Hogan's never here, and I just you're a beat town. Yeah, it was a beat town. <laughs> So I was always frustrated by that. I was like, ah, we don't see him on TV. He's barely on Superstars. Uh, I liked Macho King. 1990, 91. Yeah. So, yeah, Macho King, Ultimate Warrior. Those are my my big ones. And, you know, looking in hindsight, it's like, eh. Well, I guess I still do appreciate the Ultimate Warrior matches. <laughs> oh, but, sure. Yeah, absolutely. Especially the pay-per-view matches. Yeah. But, yeah, that's... I was a... An Ultimate Warrior, and like I said, I had bad taste. So I like George Animal Steel. I like the Bushwhackers. Oh, I love the Bush. That's not not bad taste. You don't have to apologize for that, dude. Yeah, I, I was I was hook, line, and sinker to all of those gimmicks of like, that were aimed towards the kids, and, and it worked. Yeah. It did the trick. Yeah. Um, I you... definitely loved um, Mr. Perfect. I knew he was a bad guy. Whatever. I just thought it was cool. He was another one. Uh, Repo Man was one of my favorites in 1992. Again, a little lame character. I actually picked him to win the 1992 Royal Rumble. <laughs> I had that in my notes to ask you about that. That's one of my favorite stories from the podcast. <laughs> it's great. Like, as a kid, you don't get it. but you, And you're just like, that guy could definitely. He's definitely yeah. going to go all the way. I remember 96. I, my pick was Barry Horowitz to win the Royal Rumble because he was on his little win streak. I thought yeah. the underdog, he's going to come in and he's going to win the Royal Rumble. He's going to go to WrestleMania. And, oh, that's great. Uh, I was mistaken on that one. <laughs> <laughs> um, now, did you have uh, these guys? Did you have some action figures back then when you were oh, Definitely. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I, I had the early LJNs that were kind of like passed on. Yeah. You know, from, my uncle again, like he collected, even though he's an adult, he was just like me, you know, <laughs> still buying toys. That's great. <laughs> you know, he was doing it, and I was influenced by him, and he'd give me some of the older figures. So again, I my memories, other than just the '86 thing, goes like straight to '9091, and that's when the Hasbro's first came out. Okay. So he was collecting those. So then he started to give up some of the older toys. Yeah. Oh, play with these wrestlers. All right, here's Iron Cheek. Here's George Animal Steel. <laughs> you know, so I had those figures, and then I started to collect the, the Hasbro. See, I never had – I'm a couple years younger than you, um, so I, I didn't have any of the LJNs. I didn't even know about those till I was, you know, a little bit older. Um, I just never saw them around, oh. and I, I wasn't in the stores when they were out. But, I mean, I definitely had the Hasbros for sure. Uh, and, and, and played with those quite a bit. But yeah, I never did the LJNs. Um, but uh, that's fun. Um, like, what was your, uh, who was your main guy in your, in your figure fed? Macho King. Of course. The man. He, Absolutely. He had the crown, and you know, I'd have my own little tournaments. Not even King of the Ring. I mean, King of the Ring kind of did exist already, but I yeah. didn't know that really. Um, actually, to an extent, I did. But it was not a pay-per-view at that point. But because my uncle and my father went to so many events, they had the programs. And those programs eventually came to me. And 
I looked through them, and most of the King of the Rings were in Providence. Oh yeah. Throughout the late '80s, so I had the uh, the cards. That's you know, they had cool. the program, and then they slide the card into it. Yep. So, and they when they were there, they wrote the results on the card. So, like, I felt like I'm part of the King of the Ring. I know that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, I know this information. I don't have to go to the history of WWE.com eventually in the future. Like, I had it already. I knew that stuff, and that was something that was never mentioned again. Barely mentioned on. I don't think really at all. Yeah, unless never. it was a local. Local like superstars, and it'll be in the event center or something. Yeah, they might mention that. Oh, this is the King of Ring tournament, in Providence. That's it. So, yeah, I have my own little tournaments, I guess. You know, I didn't call it the King of the Ring, but oh sure, I use yeah. the I use the crown as like yep. the trophy. <laughs> and he, the Macho King also had the scepter, and then the great clothesline. Like he was one of the swinging arm action ones. Yep. So, That's great one, the, one there. One of the best ones for sure. Uh, but yeah, that's so funny about the, uh, the having that card for the King of the Ring because, you know, there wasn't the internet back then. So you, they, you, a lot of people never knew about those early King of the Rings, but you had like this early knowledge that y- y- you already knew about that. I'm sure when they started doing the pay-per-views, you were like, yep, I already know what that is. I know what's going on here. Yeah. And a- anything like that when you were a kid as a wrestling fan was so cool. Like uh, if you got a wrestling magazine and they were talking about some new wrestler and you could go tell your friends about that and kind of like exactly. ha- have that inside knowledge made That's you feel the special thing, like at, at recess yeah like, yeah i know king of the ring <laughs> macho man was the king of the ring that's why he became macho king but even that's not really true because he became the king of the ring like years before he was macho king but that's you know on the playground that's what you say yeah. like oh yeah he, he's king of the ring because he's the king because he won king of the ring <laughs> Well, um, you know, you, you had that relationship with your dad and your uncle. Did they ever fall out of wrestling, or, or were they kind of always watching with you? Um, I, My father definitely fell out. I feel like he was more just, like, a thing to do with my uncle, you know, and also with me, too, sometimes. But I don't, I don't think he really enjoyed it so much. <laughs> but, you know, he took part in it. And my, my uncle was a real wrestling fan. Yeah, and that's cool. And he... He's still stuck with it. Even just, I guess to this day, he's still keeping tabs on it. Like, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, you know, he doesn't talk much about it, but you know, I went to a wrestling show with him like three years ago. Okay. SmackDown. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so he's still kind of into it. And like, oh yeah, you know, it's just one of the things. For me, it's I loved it as a child. I'm never giving it up. Yeah. Okay. So it never just reminds a... me of my childhood, and I'm keeping it. It's just one of those. It's part of my life. I don't care what uh, what people think about it. I'm the wrestling guy. Fine. Yeah. I'm sure fandom, you know, kind of has ebbs and flows where you're more into it than other times. But there's, but there's never any time where you were like, nah, I'm not. I'm too old, for, too cool for wrestling. I'm too good for this. I don't think I was ever too cool for wrestling. It's just that I wasn't paying attention. Okay. So most notable time that I think that I was just like not really into it would be after 2001. Yeah. So 2001, I graduated high school and off to college and just so many things going on. Oh, yeah, of course. It, you know, the beginning of college, just getting to new, meet new people and getting accustomed to how to like 
actually do real school work and <laughs> meet <laughs> deadlines and you know and wake up in the morning and get to class on your own without your parents and stuff like that. So that was a low. And even so, I'd still like, oh, it's Monday. Let me click it on and just see. Yeah. But I never really was. All right, let's watch it. Plus, like, with college, it was new friends. So I didn't know who was into wrestling, who wasn't. Right. Kind of wasn't comfortable with exposing myself at that point as to being this wrestling fan. Yeah, it's this deep, dark secret. You got to keep in the closet a little bit. And by 2000, the end of 2001, I was already starting to not like it as much. Part of that was Stone Cold was now a heel. And that kind of sucked at the time, even though I think totally different now. But, yeah, so there were some changes. And, and WCW was done. Right? They were done by then. Yeah, yeah 2001. Yeah. So it was just seemed like it was falling apart. I was like, yeah, okay. Well, I, I mean, guess that's done. you're not alone. I mean, you look at the ratings for that time. You know, that's when, you know, things started to fall off for, for pro wrestling yep. for a long time. So I think that's a pretty common story. But um, obviously, I, I know you were a huge fan during the Attitude Era. I mean, was Stone Cold always your guy or one of your guys during that time? Yeah, right from the start. Yeah. Yeah, immediately because he came in as the ringmaster, and I already knew him as Steve Austin from WCW, and I liked him there, and I – like the potential of him and i thought oh great now he's in my promotion the, the one that i like <laughs> yeah like the most right. like it's just you know being from where i am that was my home team wwf like all right he's, he's gonna be a big star here now you know and he was a ringmaster but still i knew this guy can wrestle he looks good i'm always keeping an eye on him at that point i was a Bret Hart fan mm-hmm. okay well Steve Austin, I knew, was like, this guy could be something. And, and then, Bret, you know, Bret, Hart, Bret Hart saw that in him, too. And, you know, that's why they had you know, that legendary feud. I think, I mean, of course, it put Stone Cold on the map uh, more than anything, that, that feud with Bret Hart, 96 and 97. Uh, were you watching pay-per-views at that time? Like, did you watch the Austin 316 speech and King of the Ring? Did you watch that live? I did. Okay. Yep. Yeah. I yep, watched that live. Yep. My uncle got it for us. And my cousins, we watched it, and yeah, I'm not lying. That promo stood out. Of course, that was an immediate reaction. Like, wow, that was so cool. He said a swear word. <laughs> you know <laughs> what I mean? Like, <laughs> so that stood out as a at the time 13 year old. Even 13, I was probably saying worse things, but probably. still to hear it on TV because TV was different back in 1996. I mean, the WWF was very different. Back. Yeah, WWF and TV in general, you know, programs that I would be watching at the time. Yeah. You don't hear curse words on regular TV. So I thought, wow, that's cool. <laughs> like, <laughs> and then I was just on board right from then. Of course. Um, were you um, an ECW guy, too? Did, were you at that early age, or did you yep. come into that later? No, early. Early on in... 1995, I was already watching ECW. Wow. Yeah. And that was only thanks to my grandparents having a satellite dish. Like, not uh, dish TV. The, you know, a a real satellite. Yes. yes. <laughs> satellite where you have your clicker, you had to put in like F115, and then it just, you could hear it on the top of the house cranking and just. <laughs> 
turn and turn into another spot in space <laughs> to catch some programs. And that's how I found ECW. That's how I was able to watch ECW early on. That is cool. And the thing with it, though, is it was always changing time, so it was yeah. so random to find it. But there was a satellite guide, like a TV guide, and it was a satellite guide. And they did a pretty good job with listing when it would be on at different stations, and I was able to kind of track it down that way. And even in some cases, I asked my grandfather to record it for me. Set a set a tape for me. Yeah, no, I and he did it. That just seems like such a different world. The the just, <laughs> the satellite. I mean, I remember people that had that. We never had one, but I had some friends that had it, and that just seems like another universe. But yeah, ECW. I never. I I had a friend who got the barely legal pay per view, and he taped it, and I watched that. But I would always I'd read about it in the magazines and see pictures of it, and I would want to see it. But I, I don't think any of our channels ever carried it, really, because it was, you know, it would be like you said, it would be at random times and different channels. And I would always look for it in the TV guide, uh, look yep. for it in the newspaper, TV listings. I would flip around on the weekends trying to find <laughs> it, even though it didn't say it was listed. I would like surely some channel has got some wrestling on yep. and, you know, I could never find it. But, you know, finally, when they had TNN, that was really besides getting tapes that was the first time i got to see ecw and that was you know past its glory point really and right I, yeah right glory days. so I'm, I'm obviously you know i cover ecw i'm not looking forward to getting to that but <laughs> yeah really <laughs> right now i'm in the glory days in exactly. 1996 yeah um but yeah i did the same thing i still looked for it on regular cable eventually it was around like 98 i think but Early on, like 95, 96, it wasn't available. It was only available for me on the satellite. But then also, because it was so infrequent to find, I started to get the tapes too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I got them through RF video. Oh, wow, from that early on. Yep. Yeah, that's so cool. They, they, so they had the pamphlets, and then I, I signed up for one. I forget how I even signed up for one. Must have been... Man, I don't remember how I did, but yeah. <laughs> I... I ended up signing up for a maybe it was in a Pro Wrestling Illustrated somewhere in there, and they had like an address, send your name, this, and they they send a little catalog over. And that's cool. I bought my grandmother bought me a couple of tapes from there because they're expensive and like, twenty five dollars when you're twelve is a lot of money. Yeah, in nineteen ninety seven, something. You know, absolutely, it was. <laughs> but what I loved about just the RF RF video video guide was it listed the matches so that was enough to get me excited to be like oh too cool scorpio against sabu oh i can imagine <laughs> what happened there and i'm just like fantasizing about the matches in my head yeah I'm like oh one day i'm gonna see this tape from you know? <laughs> just like oh i know those names now and you know just to see that they had matches you could kind of follow it that way oh yeah it would pique your interest and yeah, yeah. all that stuff um now, did you get to go to any uh, shows during the Attitude Era? Because I've seen Stone Cold do stunners, and he was the referee at two of the WrestleManias that I went to in different matches. But I personally, I never saw Stone Cold wrestle live, and that's like one of my biggest regrets as a wrestling fan. Neither have I. Oh, man. Yep, that was that time period, uh, 98, 97, I just didn't have access really to go to shows. You know, 
early on I went because that was a thing like my dad would bring a kid, you know, like me bringing my daughters to the movie or something. Like <laughs> when when you're 14, 15, your dad doesn't really want to bring you to anything anymore. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> so I was just in the dark. In uh, when in regards to live shows, at that point, I was just watching it on TV. Yeah, yeah. Which was fine with me. I, I I never got like, oh, I wish I was at Providence right now. I wish I was at Boston Garden. See this. I, I guess the one time was WrestleMania 14. It was in Boston Garden. I was like, oh man, I wish I could that go. That would have been cool. But, but again, I was only 15 years old. Yeah. And if if I went, it would have to be with my cousins, my uncle. It just would have been a whole thing. And it's a Sunday night. There's school the next day. Uh, yep. So yep. That's that was always a problem. Now, school's always the next day after a pay-per-view. So, yeah, same boat. Didn't get to see Stone Cold live. Yeah. The, the only live show I can remember from that time period is I went to, an, of all shows, a WWE Monday Nitro. Okay. In Providence, Rhode Island. How about that? Yeah, so they rarely ever went to Providence. Yeah. But this one I made a point, like, oh, can we go to this one? Because they're never up here. You know? And they did, and it was the... The worst episode of Nitro, I think. <laughs> That's stiff competition, right? <laughs> because it was the night of the NBA Finals, so it was cut short because the finals are, are the playoffs, rather. Yeah. It was on TNT. Yep. And it was like a one-hour episode. It was Glacier versus Goldberg was the main match. Um, Heck of a main event. Night, it was the night after Slamboree 98. And uh, Eric Bischoff, which is notable, and people remember this, Eric Bischoff came down on the motorcycle with a crown on his head, you know, claiming victory over Vince McMahon because yeah. Vince didn't show up at Slambury, uh, accept his challenge. Yep. So, yeah, I was at that show. <laughs> <laughs> Historic moment, I mean. <laughs> oh, bad show. Yeah. Well, um, Tell me when you and JV first crossed path. Was it in high school or college or, or before then? Before. Okay. Uh, junior high. Junior high. Middle school for us. Uh, that's what we call it here. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Is it middle school or junior high? Uh, we we have middle it, school. It varies. Yeah. 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 Well, anyway, whatever. It was like eighth grade. I'm okay. in eighth grade. He's in seventh grade. Or he was in eighth grade. I was in ninth grade. We're a year, you, you're, we're a year apart. Do you cross paths because of wrestling, or, or what's the uh, what bonds you two as friends? Uh, neighborhood. Okay. Yeah, so we lived in the same neighborhood, and I knew a couple of other people that he knew, and then we ended up meeting each other through those mutual friends, and then it just became oh, we have a lot more in common with uh, each other than our other friends, so let's yeah. hang out. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Yeah, so I mean, the thing is, I'm still we're all still friends with That's each great. other. Yeah. So this, the same people that I was talking about as mutual friends, we're still friends to this day, and we even have a chat where we still talk in Facebook on Facebook chat and talk wrestling still. And you know, so yeah, so I've known them, I guess since 14 years old, 14 or 13. Yeah. Well, that's uh, that's me and Travis. We we met in sixth grade, and you know, known him since then. We've been best friends since then, and um, I mean, still, ha Travis is a lot closer to some people from the early days than I am. But you know, there's there's still a, a number of people that 
and we don't have like we don't chat but you know we, we might catch up once or twice a year see each other you know still talk so that's 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 pretty cool that y'all have that too um yeah and y'all remained friends like through high school college all of that and um yeah kept that in regards to jv and i yeah 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 oh yeah yeah so i mean there's been times where we we've talked less like when i first went to college and he was a senior in high school we didn't talk as much or hang out because i wasn't around you know he's doing his own thing finishing up high school and you know but we we kept in touch and every summer we would always hang out again like it was you know back to normal yeah, and then just gradually, you know, we just hang out more over time, you know. And then when we both were finished with college, and just whenever we had free time, hey, what's going on? We just hang out. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it's always been. There's never really been a lull in the friendship at all. Well, when did obviously I'm jumping ahead a lot here, but like when did the idea between the two of you? uh to start a podcast when did that come about because i know the bottom line cast was not the first time you guys had done a podcast together right so the first podcast that we did was called hurricane rana wrestling podcast and that came about because and i wasn't initially involved in this but it was jv his brother pat um a friend of ours eric one of our friends from childhood rob and they started to get back into wrestling again. It was basically after um, CM Punk and the Pipe Bomb. Mm. So, and then they started to watch wrestling all the time and talk about it. And that's when the group started. And then I was added to the group because, like, oh, Mike Prune, he's wrestling like encyclopedia, <laughs> they thought. You know? right, Even though right. I'm not, but in their minds. To them, know, yeah. Yeah. Like, hey, knows all this stuff. Like, all right. So, yeah, I'll get in there. And just started talking about it from that point and there was a local radio station in our town fall river Fall river mass and it was called the hurricane radio hurricane radio okay based off of this guy's nickname was the hurricane so he named his network hurricane yeah so all right let's do a wrestling show on it We'll call it Hurricane Rana. <laughs> so we weren't like totally into like Luchadors and, <laughs> and, and Rey Mysterio or anything. It was just a way to match up the name with uh, the radio station. Yeah, totally, totally. Hurricane. So it was a live show, not a podcast, just a live radio show. Wow. Talking wrestling, which, again, preceded me. I wasn't part of that. I was in the group, but I wasn't on. I wasn't on that show. So they did it for a while. And then, for whatever reason, it stopped. And then podcasts became more popular. Let's do a podcast. So our friend Eric created a studio. And and that was his adventure. He wanted to be a podcast in studio (laughs) and have, you know, launch off with a wrestling one, but then do different things, you know. And that's how it came about. And I was like, I want to be part of this now. (laughs) I'll be part of it. Yeah. And we started the Hurricane Rana wrestling podcast. And that was basically just like talking about modern day wrestling, kind of sprinkle in some things from the past and whatnot. But it was a basic show, like most podcasts, most wrestling podcasts at the time. And JV was on it and he was helping with production. And JV never really at that time didn't like being on 
(laughs) (laughs) You know, like being part of the podcast, like talking, like, you know, speaking, being part of the show. Yeah. He just like helping out with it. And he got more into it eventually. And I I dove right into it. I loved it. I I started creating the formats and the segments and taking the notes for it and everything, getting everybody prepared and ready. And here's your notes. (laughs) Like, (laughs) (laughs) so I was totally into it. I loved it. And then it it just kind of fell apart eventually after like, I don't think like 80 something episodes. So over a year and a half or so of it. And that gave me like the bug, you know, podcast bug taste for it and we did that and you know, the one thing I would say JV would agree with by speaking for him because he's not here is that he didn't like all like having all the people because we had like four or five people on you know just kind of like a round table thing so I don't I don't think he liked that he didn't like being on camera was one thing because we did live with YouTube so you could chat and all that I didn't really like that portion of it. He also didn't like having to go somewhere because we had to go to a studio. <laughs> we had to go to the studio. <laughs> we, didn't, we didn't do it from home. So all those factors, David was kind of like, eh, I don't, I don't like doing this. And then people just started dropping off and the thing ended. So a year or so went by. And like I said, I still had that bug. I had the knack for a podcast. And, you know, one of the listeners, which was a friend that we grew up with, Frank Alves, you may have heard his name before mentioned on the podcast and whatnot, but he would always once in a while say, hey, what happened to your podcast? When, when are you going to do a new podcast? <laughs> that got me to thinking, oh, okay, yeah, I want to do that. But I got to think of a different way, and I got to think of who I want to do this with and like what it's going to be. So obviously I wanted to do it with JV, so I had to like tailor-make this and pitch it to JV <laughs> in a way that he'd be like, okay, cool, I'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> because he was not really into doing the other one, right? You know, so he he quit that one basically. Right. <laughs> so I so had how do you craft that pitch? What, what's what's the sell that's gonna get him on board? So I had to sell it to him as you don't have to go anywhere. <laughs> we're, we're gonna do it from the comfort of our own homes, even though we live literally five minutes away. We live in the same town. We grew up five minutes away in Fall River. And now the town we live in now, we live we live five minutes away again. Like, <laughs> I I could walk to his house when I was a kid. I could walk to his house now. That's great. <laughs> in a different town. So, it's like we don't even have to meet up. You just stay home, and I stay home, and we do it when we can. That's why it's usually late when we record, like nine o'clock, nine thirty. So, I had to make it comfortable. <laughs> like, and and he was on board and. Main thing was, well, what are you gonna do? Because he didn't want to just talk wrestling, you know, just regular wrestling. It had to be some kind of you know, focus. Yeah, gimmick. Because I'm, I'm not gonna watch Monday Night Raw and SmackDown and whatever every week yeah. to do this podcast. There's enough of those out there. Right. So, eventually came up with you know Stone Cold, but the way I got to that was I came across your podcast. <laughs> So, full credit <laughs> is from Talking <laughs> Taker because I was listening and I binged. I binged like seven episodes because they were they were short. 
They were a lot shorter back then. The early ones were short. They were very short. So, yeah, I watched a... I listened, rather. I listened to a bunch in the same night. Oh, wow. Yeah. And I was like... This is like me and JV, is what I thought. Like, you and Travis. And, like, my whole idea was, oh, I got to do it with my best friend, and that's what I'm going to be most comfortable doing it, and that's what's going to sound best, because... There's no awkwardness to it. It's just us talking. And I heard that with you guys. I was like, ah, that's like me and JV. They're doing Undertaker. What can I do? <laughs> Who's my favorite? Stone Cold Steve Austin's my favorite. I got to do that. So in a way, I guess we uh, we stole your gimmick. <laughs> no. <laughs> and there wasn't anything else like it at the time either. So kudos to you and props to you guys because not – I don't think anybody else was doing a podcast focused on anybody until you. Well, and okay, well, let me do that then. Yeah. Yeah. So well, either, no, that's you, either you're theme. welcome or I'm sorry. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, because it's been years. Well, don't be sorry to me. Maybe my wife would appreciate it. <laughs> well, like you said, you thought you were in for a year, and here you are five years later. And, and you made a good choice. You picked a guy whose career was only five years long, but somehow, you know, you managed to stretch it out, and you've done a great job uh, with it. Oh, thank you. Well, it's funny because, you know, back to what you brought up in the beginning and what you just said, we thought it was going to be one year. And my thought and my formatting, formatting early on was, oh, it's going to be that short because, you know, that's – like what Talking Takers doing. Like, they go pay-per-view to pay-per-view. Yeah. So my initial thought was, I'm going to be able to do that. <clears throat> <laughs> it wasn't that way. <laughs> because then, you know, early on, it, it did work out that way. Right. Because Stone Cold's not on everything. Right. But once he blew up, he's just constantly in segments. And he's on it. He's in every segment. Yeah. yeah. Right. So it just stretched things out, you know, much greater than uh than I thought. Now I got something that was next to me, I just was I wasn't even planning on doing this, but Okay, since... okay. This wasn't one of the surprises I was talking about earlier. <laughs> Alright. <laughs> no. Alright, so my original research Oh, okay. Was based on just this the book. Stone Cold Truth. Stone yes. Cold Truth. So that's where I started. Like, all right, let me get some background, see what's in here, and then you know, I'll go from there. So this book has been next to me for a five year, almost five years now. Yeah, that's where <laughs> so, it came from. Actually, I was already getting the show ready at this time five years ago. So September is when we did the first one. I was already taking notes for like the first seven episodes in the summer before that. So, here is my original the original notes. Wow, notes that's awesome. The format, just the format. Yeah, handwritten so episode one. Yeah, handwritten, folded paper. <laughs> and then I, eventually, I'd go back, and just you know, for my own kicks, look at it and be like, okay, I thought episode thirty-eight was going to be Survivor Series two thousand. Triple H, no DQ match. But then I wrote, I don't, you're probably not going to see it anyway, but I wrote, it actually ended up being episode 66, 67, 68. <laughs> so episode 38 was, 
took me 30 episodes before yeah 30 episodes before it actually happened and it, that one thing ended up being three separate shows oh that's hilarious but yeah i still have that breakdown i think this is going to frame somewhere it's a historical yeah. document man. <laughs> I, I used to you, do most of my notes hand handwritten yep. before I started before I started uh, doing them in like a Google Doc. Same. And here's I kept one. And I threw a bunch of them out because I just like all right done. Because actually I would uh, write them down on paper while I'm watching. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then and then type it after. It's because I didn't have a laptop at the time, you know, to do it. So I do it at work. Shush. <laughs> <laughs> But I, I I have one randomly here. It's episode twenty. I don't remember if it actually was episode twenty, but it was no way out January through February ninety eight, and here's the original. That's cool. Set out there. Yeah. Lame. No, not lame at all. <laughs> I, I feel like I should have stuck to this format because once I got on a computer, I just started taking way too many notes, and the episodes become longer and longer. <laughs> Well, I tell you what, I that I think that is a, a testament to uh, your success uh, and why it's lasted so long, because you're right. Uh, I mean, there wasn't a lot of people doing this sort of gimmick, but there have been some other ones that have popped up, you know, in, in the past five or six years, and most of them peter off after five or six episodes or so. Yeah. And um, there's a Bret Hart one. Yep. There's a Chris Jericho there was a Hulk one. Hogan one, I think. Yep. But you guys stuck with it. You never let up. But I think it was because you showed that commitment. You you showed that passion about it. You know through your notes. And I've received some of those notes from some of the watchalongs that we were, did. And I was always so impressed by it because oh. Travis and I we take notes and we'll email them back and forth. But I mean, you had the formatting down. You know the timeline down of everything. And I always thought it was so professional and so oh, well done. Nice. And I, I mean, I think that's a testament to your success. Thank you. Appreciate that. Absolutely. And that's what I was doing back in the Hurricane Rana, like I said. Yeah. I just like, here's the format, guys. <laughs> I was I don't know. No, you took it seriously. I'm just oh you know, that's one of my things is just being organized. You know, oh. even though it doesn't always seem like I'm organized, <laughs> but I am. You know? it- Anybody can start a podcast, but very few people <laughs> actually commit to it and make it a success. Um any uh what are some of the things you learned about Stone Cold's career over the past few years because I, I mean obviously you probably knew you knew all the matches you knew everything but just going back and revisiting it were there things that you liked a lot more than you remembered things you didn't like uh that you thought you did like uh, what are some of those things that surprised you as you were going back and doing this the biggest surprise was stone cold as a heel mm-hmm. 2001 and i'd mentioned earlier that's kind of where i was checking out and I said partly because, oh, now he's heel, or it's just different. It's not the Stone Cold that I had been watching over the past few years. And now it's just different. So that immediately kind of turned me off at the time. But now revisiting it, I didn't realize how great it was. Yeah. And, you know, so that was one of the biggest surprises that JV and I both had was that 2001, 2002. From that point on, it's still great fun. And I just didn't realize it at the time. Like, oh, I missed out on that. I should have been watching still. I don't. I still don't think I, my opinion would have changed. I probably would have had the same opinion. Like, ah, this isn't that great. I don't know. I'm on offense, I guess. But yeah. uh, 
I'm glad I went back and actually watched it again in full context and seeing how it progressed and played out. I enjoyed it. I think it's the right move at WrestleMania 17 for Austin to turn at that point because he needs to freshen up. And I didn't think it at the time, but looking back, you got to change character every once in a while. You know, Undertaker did it so many times. Sure. You know, yeah. imagine if he never changed at all, you wouldn't be having a podcast about the Undertaker. No, not at all. You know? So I, I appreciate the change, and that was one of the big, big things that stuck out. Um, another thing that I noticed and realized was 1999 is definitely not as good as I thought it was when I was watching back in 1999. <laughs> it did, some <laughs> of it holds up great. A lot of it does not, though. Yeah, yeah. you're right. You're right. I mean, there's still good Austin stuff in 99, yeah. good Taker stuff, but the whole show, not not so good. <laughs> I mean, 97, 98, it's on fire. That's that's great. Yeah. You know, and I love the late 96 with Austin. You know, just the, like as Austin is becoming Stone Cold, like find, figuring out what his character is. Yeah. You know, that brings me back to like, oh, this is why I like this character. You know so innovative at the time it was man like it, there was like we were talking about with the king of the ring uh, i mean there was nothing like that it wasn't a lot like that on tv and there certainly wasn't anything like that in the wwf there never had been he was bringing the attitude you know it's cliche to say but he was bringing that um from from bringing that the first person to bring that into the wwf is sort of that ecw style attitude and um that uh you know, the cursing, the middle fingers, the uh, not caring, not trying to be cool, uh, not a dorky heel, uh, but not he wasn't trying to be a cool baby face at first either. You know, he was just trying to be um, this unique character, and that's what made him jump off the screen. He was like nothing there had ever been before. Yeah, it, it just stood out. Like, what do you think he's like a good guy? He's not, you know, right. or. I've been watching something recently. It's uh, from late 96. And Mr. Perfect is on commentary on Superstars. And he's a heel. And he's talking up Austin all the time. You know, like, oh, he's great in the ring. And everyone's going to watch out for Stone Cold Steve Austin. And then Austin does special guest commentary on Superstars with Mr. Perfect. And he's giving Mr. Perfect the treatment. He's saying he's going to whoop Mr. Perfect. And then Mr. Perfect, all of a sudden, now he's a baby face. Like, what? <laughs> like, you know, he just changed things up because you expected him to be, like, all friendly and buddy-buddy like heels usually used to be. But Austin's like, I don't care if you are a heel. Nope. Forget you. You know? I'm the man. Yep. You know? You know, the loner personality. Yes. Is the whole thing there. Yeah. Um... Did you and JV, I mean, did you guys have a time or a moment where you felt like, okay, we, we got got this figured out, you know, we, we feel like we know what we're doing? Um, cause, I mean, you said you'd had some experience doing some podcasts before, but uh, do you remember a time where it was like, I, I feel like we kind of got the groove, we got this all figured out? Uh, I know there was that point where it just felt like, all right, we're in a groove. Yeah. You listen to the first podcast. That is not comfortable with me. <laughs> like, that is me, like, trying to be a podcaster or something. You, know? you, you like, hear it in the first few minutes. You hear a little nerves in there. But you settle down yeah. and you get yeah. into it. But that's, right. that's of course, it's, your, it's the first episode. I mean, our, our first 
you know, our first 30 or 40 episodes are terrible. So <laughs> that's how I feel, oh. at least. Listening oh, back to it, that's how I feel. <laughs> I guess we're in the same boat. Yeah. I, I feel the same way listening back. But I think when JV and I got to the point where we both were like, screw it, we're going to be ourselves. Yeah. We're just going to talk how we normally talk to each other. Yeah. You know, if that means we're going to swear, we're going to swear because whatever. This is a podcast about Stone Cold Steve Austin. We're just going to be ourselves. You know, I know you guys keep it clean. It's great. I appreciate that. And that's, <laughs> that takes talent to do as well. <laughs> and I just thought like, we're going to be more comfortable just being ourselves. And if we're going to be inappropriate at times, we're going to be inappropriate. And, you know, that's when that's we really it should be for a Stone like Cold Steve Austin podcast. You know? <laughs> right. Yeah. So yeah, that's, I don't know what episode that was around, but yeah, we eventually hit that point where it's like, all right, let's just t- tell stories about ourselves, let people in a little bit more of our personalities. They like it, then great. They don't, whatever. They won't listen. But you know, we're not being true to ourselves if we're not just putting ourselves out there. You know, as much as you know, to an extent, I can't be fully out there, but try to do the best we can with letting listeners get to know us. I think that's what makes it work. You you hear that relationship that's been built for years between the two of y'all, and you know you hear the inside jokes. You hear the stories sometimes from college or high school, or right. just all that stuff. And that's what that's what brings people in too. It, like your latest watch along um, for the uh, the the stunning Steve uh, uh, podcast. Uh, I think the first match on there you did the Bash at the Beach. Or Beach Blast, or whatever. Blast and Clash. I don't think you guys talked about the match till like the last thirty seconds of it, but it was so you know it was still entertaining because you know that's you guys are just doing yeah. your thing. Yeah. Well, we, that's. I mean, you guys do the same kind of thing too. Of you know, you're just hanging out with your friend, you're watching wrestling, and that's the kind of vibe you want to create yeah. for the watch along. You know, if people are looking for in-depth analysis. I don't know, read an article online or something <laughs> about it, but right. you know. And there'll be times where we give some analysis, but we're here to have fun and just you know talk wrestling. So yeah, so once we were starting to be ourselves, that's when we hit that stride, I guess. So um, what kind of uh, made you guys want to stick with it once you got past, once you hit two thousand three, and you're like, okay, this career's over. Um, uh, what made you guys decide? All right, we're, we don't want to be done yet. We want to keep going. We're gonna find these other things to do. It was just still more. <laughs> it was there was still more to do. There were different appearances that he made, you know, two thousand four, two thousand five. You know, so we didn't want to just stop just because you know he had his last match. We had to just keep going and finish the story, and then, you know, as time went on, oh, there's still stunning Steve to do. You know, there's still gonna be. Well, the Hollywood Blondes actually yep, yep, was the first one that. we jumped into. Yep, yep. So we had the Hollywood Blondes, and then figured, oh, we got to do the TV champion, Dangerous Alliance, Stunning Steve, you know. And then yet to come, we still got to do U.S. champion, Stunning Steve, after the Hollywood Blondes. Yeah, still a lot of meat so, on the bone. Right, there's still more to do. I know it's called the career of Stone Cold Steve Austin, but that's you know that's what we focused on. But now we get we got to cover it all. Yeah. <laughs> at this point, you got to get to uh, got to get to Nash Bridges. You got to get to. We do have to do Nash Bridges. <laughs> the longest yes. yard. 
<laughs> yes, we'll get to all those things. And you know, and at this point now, there's no pressure. It's just leisurely. You know, it's every two weeks. Yeah. You know, maybe down the road, it's once a month. Who knows? You know, but we'll just keep putting stuff out there. And now we want people to still find the earlier episodes. Yep. So we want to keep this podcast active. You know, we because if we once we stop being active, then people won't find it anymore. So we got to keep putting some content out there. And with what we're doing now, I feel like it's a great way to get people back into the earlier stuff because now we're starting to hit on things with the variety pack that bring people back to Stone Cold Steve Austin. And then they might want to, if they're hearing that, they might want to go back, oh, what these guys say about this, you know, in their in their original episode. You know. I've loved the variety packs, and I, I think I can hear it in in the two of y'all. I think y'all have really enjoyed doing those too. It's it's like a, a fresh new spin on things, and I think you can do. There's so many ways you can go with those, so I, I'm looking forward to hearing more of those in the future too. Yeah, it's a, it's a breath of fresh air, basically. Yeah. yeah. You know, and I I think I give us more work than we were expecting. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> because. Yeah, we're only doing a variety pack once a month because Stunning Steve is the other, every other two weeks. yeah. Right. But basically that variety pack is three episodes. Yeah, all in one. Yeah. Because they're almost like close to an hour each. (laughs) So so we're still giving the listeners like an hour per week (laughs) to listen to. And I don't think JV was expecting that, so... (laughs) Sorry, right, Jamie. <laughs> nah, he, he seems on board with all of it. Um, and uh, was there, uh, I just got a couple more questions I want to ask you about it, and then we can get to the watch along. And I, and I got one other thing uh, to get to. But, um, like, was there a – is there a moment you can think back and remember that just, like, made you guys just laugh more than ever, like, just unexpected, like you did not expect to just go off the rails in a certain way that you did? Or just a, just a moment in recording that's like that was that's one of my favorite episodes or something like that. Oh, man, there's been there's so many. I I can't even like pinpoint it, but I just know there's times when I randomly go back and listen to something that'll crack me up. Because oftentimes when we're after I'm recording, I'm just done with it. Like, yeah, move on. Like I don't remember what we laughed about, what was funny. You know, if I go back to something, then I'll I'll recognize it. So yeah, it's tough to pinpoint exactly what uh, a lot of times it's not even like stone cold related it's kind right. of an offshoot of something that happens and we just start talking about something different but yeah sorry i can't really That's give okay. a good answer <laughs> but <laughs> there's definitely been a bunch of times yeah well, i'm not yeah i don't have a good answer for that one people have honest. to go back in the archives and, and find yeah go in the archives you'll find plenty of things that cracked us up yeah but, no moment wise, I don't know. This is just one that always stood in my head that I, not for like between me and JV just laughing, but it's just a stone cold moment that I didn't remember, and to this day, just in my mind, I love this moment now. Is uh, when Stone Cold Steve Austin comes out and he just stuns William Regal, <laughs> and William like he doesn't say anything to him. He just comes out, stuns him, walks away. <laughs> It's <laughs> one of my favorite all-time moments. Now, with that said, that is a little preview for an upcoming um, variety pack. Ooh, 
Okay. Little preview number for one people. Right is. Oh, that's right. That's what the next one's going to be. Uh, well, uh, I just want to ask you real quick about you and JV. Also, you have the ECW Extreme Livecast. Uh, when did you guys start that, and what brought that into existence? All right. So with that, we we started that just the spring after we started Bottom Line Wrestling Cast. So we okay. started Bottom Line. Yeah, Bottom Line Wrestling Cast was September 2018, and then. The, spring of 2019 we started ecw extreme cast and started off just as watching ecw hardcore tv right from the beginning first episode that was available on the network at the time which would be um april of 1993 and you know, we weren't going to do it the way we did stone cold's podcast because we didn't want to take more copious notes and stuff like that right. so you know if we were going to do it and again Oftentimes, it's me trying to get JV to do something that he might not want to do. So I got to figure out a way that he might want to do it. So he's like, oh, it's, it's watch-along style. I'm just going to watch and talk. And you, know, and you haven't seen ECW, so this will be a new experience for you. And he was on board. Like, all right, that sounds cool. And we also used it as a vehicle to promote Bottom Line Wrestling Cast. Sure. Because the way this came about was through Booking a Territory. So, Booking the Territory, the Unprofessional Wrestling Podcast with Mike Mills. I'm not sure if everyone's familiar with it, but it's, it's a good podcast covering mainly NWA, WCW. And they had a, they had a Podbean originally and paid the paid service on there. And then they went to Patreon, like most people do now. And he was looking into maybe doing like a network. You know, have different shows other than just their own. They have some Patreon content. So I initially talked to Mike Mills about doing an ECW show and doing it with him. But he, you know, his his plate was full. Yeah. So then I proposed, all right, well, me and my buddy JV do the bottom line wrestling cast. How about we do it? He's like, all right, fine. That's cool. And, you know, he trusted that we'd get stuff out there. On time, and it wouldn't just be like, "Hey, here's this new podcast. Um, here's an episode, and then they're gone." Yeah. Like, so <laughs> he had to know, like, we were somewhat committed, and us, you know, having done episodes of Steve Austin already, he knew, like, all right, these guys, you know, they can commit to doing something on a weekly basis. In this case, it was going to be bi-weekly, so we started bi-weekly. At that point, have maintained that just to keep the caseload off of us <laughs> but um yeah that's how we started out with that and that's been going on almost five years as well yeah, uh, yeah so we've been too. managing to do that and that one's easier because again it's just hit play and let's talk and have fun on that one no notes i mean i i do take notes and i look through stuff but it's not it's not like bottom line wrestling cast where it's like i got to write down things that i want to remember to say you know Who's your favorite guy you've seen in those early days of ECW that it's been, you always pop when he comes up on the screen. Well, Sal Balomo was one (laughs) wild man, Sal Balomo. We loved him. We loved the, um, one of the announcers, Jay Sully. (laughs) I don't even remember that. Yeah. He's, he looked like uh, Rob Riggle, you know, Rob Riggle. Yeah, of course. Yep. (laughs) He looked looked just like him. (laughs) You know, if there was a, a movie about ECW, Rob Riggle Rob would play Riggle that guy. Play. And, <laughs> a small role. It, it'd be funny, in it? <laughs> uh, 
Harry Funk was one of the best right from the start. Oh of yeah, ECW. sure. sure. Uh, I mean, those are. Sal, Sal's funny. Terry uh, Funk all, and all Sal Boomer, right there next to uh, Well, there's Johnny Hotbody, who we uh, we called him Johnny Baldspot. <laughs> you know, that was the funny thing with ECW. So we, we didn't know a lot of these guys, so we would just oh, like yeah. rib yeah. on them and just make names up for these guys. It's rough in the early days. You know? Right, we're just trying to get through the episodes. So we're just goop, trying to goop. Like it's those early episodes. I, I would say even today, it's just like. Mystery Science Theater. Yes. We're just watching it. We're just making fun of it or trying to find ways to make it interesting to ourselves. You know, and, and doing what we would do, like if JV was sitting at my house when we were a kid watching TV, we just make fun of what's on TV. Basically, it's Beavis and Butthead. Exactly. That's what makes it great. That's what makes y'all's dynamic great. Um, let me ask you a, a hot button topic here. Uh, it's been something it comes up on the internet all the time goes in waves the what chant okay some people say and i was reading on uh one twitter thread or facebook or something they're saying it's the worst thing that's ever happened to wrestling in the past 20 years it's the most disrespectful thing as an austin guys the guy with the austin podcast where do you land on the what chant uh how, how do you feel about it how do you feel about its legacy still existing in wrestling today i appreciate that it still exists in wrestling today yeah it just a testament to stone cold steve austin and his character and it also a line that came from a time when you know most people didn't like austin you know, that was after that was the hill change you know, so people crap on that, but then they're still doing the what? Like, so what do you what do you like? Do you like it or not? So, I I like that it stood the test of time. It's part of the wrestling show. I mean, the audience are are the way they are today anyway. They're gonna do that. They're gonna find a way chant. And the what has lasted. I didn't like it for a long time. I did think it was rude. <laughs> at times but if somebody's not able to con- control the mic and take you know take charge then hey that's their problem exactly you, know, you gotta learn how to react to the crowd and if you can't handle it well too bad you, I guess you're not good enough so it's a way of the crowd like testing the performance like how can you get out of this which I guess is you know kind of a jerk thing to do as a, as a fan, but hey, that's what wrestling fans do, you know. Right, it's a it's so, a tough business. I would say you know that was annoying, but nothing is more annoying than uh, this is awesome. So <laughs> yes, I think you're. Oh, right. that's cringeworthy. This that is awesome. All right, come on. I'll take a wet chant over that. Yeah, <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> Yeah, I feel I feel the same. Like you know, it's a, um, it, it is a test, you know. And, and some people, some good performers, can pass that test and can work around it, and fix their cadence to where you don't get it. Um, but it's fans responding to what they see in the ring. People don't chant what if there's something entertaining going on, or if the promo's not boring or too long. You know, people start chanting exactly. it when they get bored. And I'm sorry, man, the the fans are always right. 
You know, Vince McMahon doesn't always think that. <laughs> he doesn't always trust the fans, but in my opinion, the fans are always right. And yeah, there are times when fans go into business for themselves and they're just trying to put yeah. themselves over. That does happen for sure. You know, there are exceptions, but I think in most cases, like, yeah, like it, it means your promo sucks and you need to work on it and you need to figure out a way to save it uh, if the right. fans start doing that. Um, yeah, you, you and there are Vince ways McMahon. to get around it. You mentioned Vince McMahon. Vince McMahon always found a way out of it. Of course he did. Yeah. Shut up. <laughs> Something he like did. that. You know? Undertaker did. You know, yeah. good, good performers know how to do it. It's got, it's people like Charlotte or, or or like that. Who I love. Charlotte's one of the best in ring performers ever. But good lord, when she gets a mic in her hand, it's it's, it's, it's terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> and she stumbles. Yeah, what yeah. to do? Yeah, she's yeah. Um, so you know, it's one of those things. Uh, my last interview question for you is, uh, I'm sure it would be a dream for you, just like it would be a dream for us to have Undertaker on the podcast. If you and JV could sit down with Stone Cold, have a beer, do an interview with him, what would be like the number one question you would want to ask Stone Cold if you ever had the chance to interview him? Oh, I'm going to kind of dodge the answer on this because I've thought of it before. Like, yeah, we'd want Stone Cold on, but what do I ask? I mean, we watch it all. We've done research. I never really thought of what would I want to ask him. I just always thought, like, yeah, if we were to have that opportunity to be with Stone Cold Steve Austin on a podcast, we would just want to watch some wrestling with him and oh, see cool. where the conversation goes. Yeah. You know, instead of like, maybe, you know, conversation would naturally flow from that. I don't. Want, I don't want to have prepared questions. Stone Cold Steve Austin. Okay. Because he's probably had interviews before. He's answering the same, you know, same jackass questions. And, you know, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I always thought if we had an opportunity, we'd just watch wrestling with Stone Cold. So yeah, I, I dodged a question, but that that's not a dodge. I think that's a great answer. <laughs> I think that's awesome. I think he would appreciate that too. Yeah, I think that's what most wrestlers would appreciate. Too. Yeah, like, for sure. You want to be on a podcast? Let's just watch this cool match together and talk exactly. about it. Yeah. Um, well, I uh, what what I wanted to do to close out, and we're going to close out with this watch along too. But um, real quick, this will just take a minute. Uh, I, I found this magazine at my parents' house uh, wow. a couple, couple months ago. This is the Austin three sixteen. Special Collectors WF Magazine from September 20th, 1999. Oh, wow. Um, it's got the got milk. got milk ad on the back of it right there. <laughs> Great one. <laughs> but what I wanted to do with you as the Stone Cold Steve Austin expert. It's a trivia. <laughs> wrong answer, jackass. <laughs> jackass. Stupid question, jackass. <laughs> What would Stone Cold Steve Austin special be without some trivia about the Texas rattlesnake? The following quiz consists of 20 multiple choice questions. Oh. Multiple choice, okay. Okay. Covering all aspects of Stone Cold's life and career. If you're some kind of a smartass, you can try the five bonus tough SOB questions at the end. But if you think you're getting choices on those, uh-uh, think again. <laughs> Love it. They have that in there? Uh-uh. Yes, yes, they do. <laughs> All right, so and these are remember this is from 1999, okay. So okay. keep that in mind when you're when you're doing your answers here. But right. uh, pop quiz, hot shot. 
what current World Wrestling Federation personality first managed Stone Cold when he made his wrestling debut in Dallas? Jim Ross, Paul Bearer, or Doc Hendricks? In Dallas? In Dallas, Texas. Doc Hendricks. Sorry, it was Paul Bearer. Oh, oh, Paul going Bearer. back to the beginning? Percy Pringle, yes. Oh, I thought... Like maybe at a house show in WWF. All yeah. right, that was stupid. All right, it's okay. Okay, we got a waste. Only one wrong. What does Stone Cold have tattooed on his leg? A shotgun, his daughter, or the state of Texas? Texas. Absolutely, absolutely. This is a tough one. <laughs> For what category was Steve Austin a presenter at the 1998 Billboard Music Awards? Best rap group. Album of the Year or Best Country Music Artist? Best Country Music Artist. You got it. Two for two out of three. Definitely, so definitely not Album of the Year. No, no, no. Country music. <laughs> Come on, that makes sense. All right, number four. Stone Cold's epic 1996 King of the Ring win featured Austin downing Savio Vega in the quarterfinals, Mark Merrow in the semifinals, and Jake Roberts in the final. Can you name his first round opponent? Sparky Bob, plug. You got it without the choices. Absolutely. <laughs> Correct. That's bonus for number one being wrong. <laughs> okay, yeah, I can give you a makeup point for that. <laughs> All right, Stone Cold made his debut as the ringmaster in January 96 on what Federation interview segment? Under the covers, the Brother Love Show, or the Snake Pit? Brother Love. Of course. Got that one. All you people out there in TV land. That's what he said. Yep. He was doing the little preacher thing Absolutely. in TV. <laughs> All right. During the first few months in his federation, Stone Cold used what finisher to beat his opponents? The Million Dollar Dream, the Boston Crab, or the DDT? Million Dollar Dream. Of course. Stone Cold's first federation championship opportunity was at May 97's In Your House Against the Undertaker. What was the name of that pay-per-view? Cold Day in Hell, Taker's Revenge, or Off With Their Heads? Cold Day in Hell. Got it. So far, almost perfect. Uh, <laughs> on the free-for-all prior to SummerSlam 96, newly crowned King of the Rings, Stone Cold faced the massive Yokozuna. How did Yoko lose the match? He was blinded by powder, thrown in by a fan, fell from Rope's the top broke. rope. Yep, fell from the top rope. Not like Jake the Snake and Hulk Hogan with the powder. <laughs> yeah. Stone Cold faced Mankind for the first time on November 18, 1996 on Raw. How was the bout build? Boiler room brawl, tough man match, or brawl for all? It was a tough man match. It was a tough man match. It was, it was a back-to-back tough man match. It was later a match against Vader. It was also a tough man match. That was really cool. It was like really unique. I, yeah. I enjoyed watching those. I remember Jamie and I talking about this. Like, why, why, what's so tough man match about this? I, it was two heels. <laughs> they, they couldn't say that. They couldn't say guess, that. Yeah, two right, bad that's guys. That's it, right? At the 97 Rumble, uh, I think this is wrong, actually. Uh, I think it's supposed to be 98. But what personal property of Stone Cold was given away to a lucky fan in a contest? His hunting equipment, his pickup truck, or his custom-made Federation Championship belt? Going to a fan, I guess it's pickup truck, right? Yeah, yeah, it's pickup truck. That was 98. It had to be 98, yeah. right? At 97, you wouldn't have no, had a wouldn't pickup have had, truck. That didn't make sense. All right, Stone Cold's first pay-per-view appearance was the 96 Royal Rumble. This one, a little bit tougher. 
who is the one superstar Austin was able to eliminate from the 30-man battle royal? Who is the one person he eliminated? Savio Vega, Jake Roberts, or Bob Holly? Savio Vega. Ooh. Jake Roberts. Well, Jake Roberts. Huh? Jake Roberts. He only eliminated one in 96. Yeah. Wow. I was uh, just thinking it was the Vegas saga. It was, it was... <laughs> right. No, that makes sense. That's a good guess. Uh, February 96, Stone Cold was selected to compete in the Federation Tag Team Championship Tournament, eventually losing to the Body Donnas in the semifinals. Who was Austin's partner? Mark Mara? Savio Vega. Yes, Savio Vega. Yeah, that one. That makes sense. April 96, In Your House, Good Friends, Better Enemies. Stone Cold lost to Savio Vega in the Caribbean's Trap Match. What happened as a result of the loss? Austin lost the Million Dollar Championship. Stone Cold's manager, Ted DiBiase, was forced to leave. Or Austin had to kiss Savio's feet. Million Dollar Man was off the WCW. Yes, he was. Joined the NWO. Billionaire Ted. <laughs> Uh, which of the following was not one of Stone Cold's Federation Tag Team Championship partners? The Rock, The Undertaker, or Shawn Michaels? Which one was not one of his championship partners? The Rock. Yes. Correct. Uh, September 97, In Your House, Ground Zero. Stone Cold helped what combination win the Tag Team Championship? The Headbangers, Owen Hart and the British Bulldog, or Kane and Mankind? Headbangers. Yes, he did. Which superstar cost Stone Cold the Federation Championship during his first blood match with Kane at the 98 King of the Ring? The Rock, Mankind, or The Undertaker? Say it again. What superstar cost Stone Cold the championship during the first blood match with Kane at the King of the Ring 98? Rock, Mankind, or Undertaker? Undertaker. Yes. All right. A few more of the easy ones. Mono roll. <laughs> Which Canadian? Oh, sorry, this is not an easy one. <laughs> uh -oh. Which Canadian city dedicated an entire street called Stone Cold Way to the Texas Rattlesnake in 1998? Hamilton, Ontario, Calgary, Alberta, or Montreal, Quebec? 98. <laughs> Take a wild guess. <laughs> Hamilton. You got it. <laughs> right. Wow. I thought I Canada hated Stone Cold. Come on, man. No. There we go. All right. Uh, December 98, Raw from New York's Nassau Coliseum. Stone Cold used a cement truck to destroy Mr. McMahon's car. What model of car did Austin fill with cement? Porsche, Corvette, or Jaguar? Corvette. That is correct. One of my... That's top two I love or three. That. Yeah, moments. When that I can't see that enough. Glass shadows, with that glass absolutely. breaking. All right. Uh, we talked about it a minute ago. What was the name of Stone Cold's character during his appearance on the CBS television show Nash Bridges? Jake Cage, Rod Parker, or Butch Michaels? Jake Cage. Jake Cage. Getting ready for that Nash Bridges episode. Oh down my the road. God. I can't <laughs> wait. In October 98, Stone Cold attacked Mr. McMahon while the owner was recovering from injuries in a hospital. How did he manage to gain entry? He hid in an ambulance... He told the nurses he was Vince's cousin, or he disguised himself as a medical doctor. I'll take it from here, nurse. <laughs> I was hoping disguised he did himself. It. There we go. <laughs> All right, so t uh, eighteen out of twenty on the first round. Yeah, Tricky. that's that's an A. Yeah, yeah it's a ninety. Okay. Get a ninety. Yeah. Now we got the bonus round, the tough oh. SOBs. No multiple choice on these, okay. and they they are tough. 
During halftime at the Super Bowl, Super Bowl 32, between the Denver Broncos and the Green Bay Packers, MTV aired the premier celebrity death match featuring Claymation Stone Cold providing color commentary, which two celebrities battled each other in the main event on this MTV show. Howard Stern. Is that one? No. Oh, but I'm already wrong. <laughs> yeah, you are. Uh, okay, what is it? Yeah, it was Charles Manson versus Marilyn Manson. Ah, oh, Charles. Uh, I should know that because I took notes on that for you, our celebrity death match. You did episode. a great celebrity death match. I did mention it episode. on the episode. I loved that episode. Um, SummerSlam 98 from New York City's Madison Square Garden. Stone Cold defended the title against The Undertaker. Prior to the pay-per-view, both superstars were featured on the SummerSlam poster, The Highway to Hell. The Undertaker was shown swinging the Empire State Building at Stone Cold. What landmark, New York City landmark, did Stone Cold use as a weapon? The Undertaker had what? What did it say? The Undertaker had the Empire State Building. What was Statue Stone of Liberty. Cold? You got it. Yep. Very good. Very good. Bonus points on that one. All right. Whew. I like this. I think you might get this one. I don't know. During a March 99 Raw, The Rock and Vince and Shane McMahon were in the ring when the rattlesnake drove a beer truck into the arena and showered all three with brew. What brand of beer did Stone Cold use that night? No light. Coors. 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 That's tough. Damn. Uh, One night. Well, what's your go-to? Is it Miller Light, Bud Light, Coors Light? Coors Light, Ugh. actually. No. You know, what's yours? I'm drinking Miller you right now. <laughs> oh, you got Miller right now? <laughs> that Miller's good. I think they're all fine. Yeah, they're all I, fine. I prefer Miller and Coors over Bud Light, though. My dad exclusively drinks Bud Light. He has his entire yeah. life. I mean, I don't hate on it. It's just, yeah. I can't. I got to go Miller. All right. One night prior to WrestleMania 13 at the Rosemont Horizon outside Chicago, Illinois, uh, the WWF held the 1997 Slammy Awards. Stone Cold beat out fellow nominees Howard Stern, Jerry the King Lawler, and Farouk to win the Freedom of Speech Award named for what notorious celebrity? 1998. What year is it? 97? 97. Freedom of Speech Award. Man, definitely don't remember this. Got a guess? Howard Stern. <laughs> nah, he was a nominee, but the oh, award was he, named oh, was after Larry Flynn. Larry Flynn, okay. No, yeah, I remember that now. Stupid. <laughs> yeah, that is stupid. Final I question. A couple bonus points. Oh, all right, it's another one. All right. In a 98 Rolling Stone magazine article, Stone Cold said he was voted the equivalent of Homecoming King by his high school classmates in 1983. What was the name of that title? The equivalent of Homecoming King? Yes. At his school in Texas, what would he have been named? (laughs) This is a random question. It's so random. I feel like it's going to be something made up. (laughs) What would the Homecoming King be called in Texas? Hmm. Oh, the big hoss. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably better than Mr. Cowboy. 
Mr. Cowboy. Mr. Cowboy. Steve Williams. Mr. Cowboy. That's funny. Mr. Cowboy. So one out of five on the bonus questions, but 18 for 20 overall. I mean, I, I give it to you. I get, you get right. your props. Uh, and those are some a, I, obscure questions on there. I got a, I got a 91 then. I think so. Yeah. Five points for each question in the first 20 plus one bonus point. Absolutely. Hey, well, I got an A. A minus. You got an A? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, we'll give you that. So yeah. No prep. That. No prep. Just Exactly. It was a pop five, quiz. Just five years of doing a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Most of this stuff was like from f- over four years ago. Exactly. Like, like I said. Four or three years ago. Oh, man. Well, uh, <laughs> do you want to do – you said you had some surprises. Do you want to do that you want to yeah. do this match first? Do the surprises first. Okay. What do you got? Uh, all right, fine. You tell me. It, so you tell me. It. It's your so. night. All right. So, you had gifted me, like we've done before. I've gifted you stuff. We've, you've gifted me. Yeah, we have. Right? We have. And, you know, generally I keep my stuff in boxes. You know? But I figured opportunity here <laughs> on Talking Taker special sure. episode do an unboxing oh let's do it my own unboxing of a gift that you gave me yes stunning steve so i like i said i usually don't open up figures i mo- have most of my austin's all unboxing boxes except for one and that is the uh the attitude era stone cold with the shirt that you have on yeah with the microphone and yeah so i don't have many out but i figured this was a gift you gave me. Why not take it out of the box? Let's do it. Right? It's not going anywhere. I'm not selling it. So let me just open it up and get it out there. Let this breathe, as they like to say, right? You could always so, get another one if you needed to. Right, if I needed to. But I want it out. You know? So I've been doing the Stunning Steve podcast. Let's free him. Free him up. All right, so I'm going to put myself on mute so we don't have it all crackling and stuff. Okay. Right? So, <laughs> but let's open this up. Yeah. I'll talk while you're while you're muted, but uh, yeah, it's it's the Stunning Steve's from the Elite 100 series, came out a little bit ago, and first time Mattel had done the Stunning Steve with that beautiful television title belt. I mean, one of my favorite belts of all time, and that beautiful <laughs> beautiful ponytail, <laughs> Steve right there. Look at that, and the robe. I mean, excellent figure. Mike carefully pulling him out there. And yep, it's got those little rubber bands. In there. I hate those things. <laughs> he's going to he's gonna go for the scissors or the pocket knife. Yep. Oh, the nail clippers. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I just, I, I, I wanted, I, I knew that Mike has been very generous throughout the years and has given me some some great gifts and Undertaker figures. So I was on the lookout for this one, especially because they're in the midst of the Stunning Steve run. So I knew he needed to have a Stunning Steve in his collection with the Trapper Keeper shorts, as uh, they like to call them here. All right, you got him out. Let's get you back on. All right, so yeah, he's now out, and I uh, had previously cut the edges of the boxes, you know, with the tape, so that I could just pop it out. Coming prepared, so I'm, not, so I'm not wrestling with it. 
But yeah, here we are. We have Stunning Steve Austin. He's got the robe. He got the Stunning Steve on yeah, the back. They nailed the that SS. robe. Yeah, this is perfect. You know, it's nice and light, easy to take on and off. Yep. Until his finger gets caught in the edge there. <laughs> now, I love the belt, but the belt is definitely big. It's a little too big. Yeah. <laughs> well, the thing is, it doesn't round off. It's just like a flat yeah. plate. Yep. So that's the only gripe with it, but it it looks just like the classic TV championship belt. Yeah, the belt. red strap. You know, that looks great. Let me take it off so we can see these traffic keep it tights. He's a little, oh, yeah, uh, is... a little more jacked than I think he actually was, but that's okay. It's an action figure. Yeah, I would say he looks kind of thin, too, compared yeah. to... Yeah, yeah, he does. You know, kind of lanky. All right, so there, where am I? There you go. go. There's the traffic keeper. <laughs> that's perfect. Look at that. <laughs> that ponytail. Look at that face. Face is okay. I mean, it's just tough because you used to a goatee. It's definitely like 90, 91... Yeah, it's say? definitely, yeah, 91, 90, yeah, early, early Austin. Yeah. With the ponytail. Definitely looks a lot better once he cuts it. I'm in the wrong spot. I don't know what I'm doing here. <laughs> yeah. All right, there we go. So, yeah, it's a great figure. We just need a baby doll to go next to that. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, I need uh, some Lady Blossom. Yeah, that's, so, that's what you want. That's what we need. <laughs> it just, if I was... um. If I had this when I was a kid, then my Lady Blossom, I'd have to get a Barbie doll. (laughs) (laughs) I know. They never made the women back then. No. No Medusa. None of that. Yeah, so this is a great figure. I always like to have the belt like this on a wrestler. Depends on the guy. Yeah. Yeah, you know, uh, but yeah. yeah. He did wear it around his waist, but, you know, oftentimes he did wear it over his shoulder because he had a robe. That's the thing. If you're going to show him with the robe, you need to put the belt on the shoulders was not just covered right. up wasted on there exactly yeah so thank you for this alex of this course. Is a great present now do you have a pretty big stone cold collection or just little things you'll grab every now and then yeah just as they come up it's not something that i've been collecting for a long time i maybe the last i mean it definitely started before the podcast like seven years maybe i've been collecting and just getting whatever figures come out I'm generally not going back to find the older stuff, even though I do have a little, a little bit of old stuff. But not much. I'm just trying to keep up with what comes out now. Yeah. Just keep getting it. Yeah. You know, they're always putting something out. Like every, every year, there's a new figure. At least. Austin. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there's a, more. The Hollywood Blondes. There's Stunning Steve. Uh, there's always another Austin out there. I do regret there's one that I wanted to get, and I saw in person when I was, you know, first starting to get back into collecting figures. And it was, it just seemed so ridiculous that I was like, ah, I'm not getting that. That's stupid. But now I'm like, ah, oh, I wish I'd got it. It was the, I forget what line it is, but it was like, like a monster line. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So there was Stone Cold Steve Austin, but he had a skull, yeah, zombies. He had a skull head. He had the smoking skull face. And I saw it at Walmart and I was like, ah, I'm not getting that. That's dumb. And now I look to try to get it on Amazon or eBay, and it's like $150 oh. or something. It's like, wow, I could have had that for like you know, 15 bucks or whatever. So now it's just I'm buying whatever I see. <laughs> just jump on it out of FOMO. Yep, exactly. Yep, exactly. Yeah, so I figured we'd do a little I love box. It. Oh, wait, hold on. There's one more thing. 
He's got the. They get, <laughs> the we get a little like little background. It's not quite Trapper Keeper, but that's what they were oh, going for. That's definitely what they're going for, for sure. Yeah. So yeah, there it is. So now I'm going to display this in his yeah, robe. Put that on the display. He's going to be next to my other Steve Austin. That's free. He's also going to be next to my uh, WrestleMania 17 lunchbox with the Rock Ooh. and Stone Cold on it. <laughs> but before, I, there was another surprise. And, okay. You know, you've gotten gifts from this person as well, and he's so gracious enough to send stuff over. Mm. And I haven't shared all the things that he's sent me over over the time. And that we're talking about Steve Zeman. Yeah. yeah. And collecting Dead Man, and he's been gracious enough to send me things over over time every once in a while and he sent me the great uh the little um stone cold that you put in water and then he grows (laughs) i had some tweets about that a while back that was fun i don't know if my wife had much fun with that with just (laughs) i actually used one of like the tupperware cereal containers and filled it with water and put them in there uh, I don't think that was great use, and I don't think we could use that again because I don't know what kind of like chloroform was coming out of that from 25 years ago. <laughs> but anyway, he, that was one thing that he had said. But he he sent other things over over time, so I figured why not share them now here? Yeah, let's see them. We got a stone cold toothbrush, <laughs> and you have not brushed your teeth with that yet. No, it's 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 still in the packaging. Are you going to do that and... live on the air right now? <laughs> <laughs> no, the thing is, this packaging is so cool because it it's from the time that, you know, I don't, I don't want to. And it's in like so... mint condition. Yeah, this is it's great. God, his... the back, there's so know? many weird Stone Cold things out there. I mean, there's a lot of weird Undertaker stuff, but there's even more weird Stone Cold items out yeah. there. I mean, that's not even scratching the surface. That's hilarious. All right, what's strange is, though. Yeah, I was going to say, if there's a stone cold toothbrush like this, then who else had a toothbrush? You know, he's not the only one. So I'm looking at right. the back. Here's the, here's, the, here's the checklist. Collect them all. Brush your teeth with attitude, it says. <laughs> <laughs> you got The Undertaker. Yep. The Rock. Yep. A Big Show toothbrush. Oh. No. Degeneration X. All right. Triple H. X-Pac, Road Dog, Mankind, and Kane <laughs> all had their Kane. own Kane. Isaac Yankum has his own toothbrush. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Yes. All right, so that was one gift. There's another one. This is called the Clip-On Headlight. Oh, my God. <laughs> like a keychain of Stone Cold's face yep. that so, lights up, I guess. Yeah, it says batteries included. Oh my god! And let's see. It says squeeze my head. I dare <laughs> you. Let's see. Imagine walking around with that in your pocket. Giant Don't work. Stone cold right. head. Battery's dead after all these years. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> but they made um three other ones. You had an Undertaker one. Yep. Kane. And then, of all people, Sablehead. I was, I thought maybe Sable was going to be on the toothbrushes, but. <laughs> yeah. Yep, Sable, collect them all. Wow. All right, anyway. Who in the world is going to have that on their keychain? <laughs> it's 
so it's enormous. Maybe I need to. Let's <laughs> pop this one out. Well, I guess in keys. like in 1999, <laughs> if you're wearing like the Jinkos or like the baggy shorts, yeah, you're not gonna feel so that in your pocket too much. <laughs> yeah, or, or like an accessory just hanging on to your yeah. pants. Yep, yep. And then one more, one more to share. Uh, oh, these are funny. Okay, and there were four different wrestle, well, three different wrestles of these. These are head crushers. What in the world? <laughs> so the big head, Stone Cold Steve Austin, and it, you can touch it. So there's an open space for you just yeah. to touch it. It says, "Try, try me, push me down." And when I first got this, it still worked. <laughs> and so let's see. Yeah. Right, let me do it again closer to my mic. Yeah, I got it. That's pretty good. <laughs> That's pretty I'm shocked. How does that still work? Yeah, so that that one's awesome. And <laughs> you just crunch his head in. Uh so the other ones were The Undertaker. So The Undertaker is on all I'm, these projects, you know. I gotta get one of those. That's... Yeah, I don't know what he says, what the Undertaker says. Probably rest, rest in peace, peace right? Gotta be, yeah. right? Then you get Mankind, have a nice have a day, nice probably. Day. And then you get The Rock. Smell The Rock, it's cooking. Yeah. Gotta be. So, yeah, that was cool. So, thanks, Steven, <laughs> for all these nice little gifts. You know, he finds the most random stuff. You know, yes, it's, he does. It's awesome. So, I figured this would be a great spot to spotlight what he's given me here wow. on Talking Tigger. So. Awesome. That is my favorite one, the head crusher. I've never <laughs> seen that before. I've never heard of that. Neither have I until you sent one. I can't believe it still works. <laughs> you just awesome. need to take that in the bedroom with you and just wake your wife up with that tomorrow morning. Hey, start about a run. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Wow. Oh, also, uh, what Steven said to me? He sent me a little note with it, too. So. Oh. Give him full, full credit. Hey Mike, I hope you're hope you enjoy these Stone Cold gifts from one podcast host to another. Keep on rolling, Stephen. Collecting dead man. That's awesome. Well, thank you, Stephen. Shout out to Stephen, a uh, good friend of ours. Well, let's uh, let's crush some heads right here with this. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna wrap it all up here tonight. Well, we gotta do a little wrestling here on this wrestling podcast. Uh, you suggested it, Mike. Monday Night Raw, June 24th, 1996, Season 4, Episode 25 here on Peacock. It is the first time in the WWE. Now, we did they did wrestle back in, in Texas. Uh, I think you and JV covered that on that Before They Were Stars DVD of Stone Gold. They had like a yep. full three-minute match or something back before they were anybody. But first time in the World Wrestling Federation here on Monday Night Raw. Uh, do you have it pulled up? Do you have a timestamp? I do. Okay. Yep. Uh, timestamp is thirty-two forty-one. Okay. I was at thirty-three forty-one. I'll go back. It should be just right after Ultimate Warrior. All right. Yeah. I see it. And Austin's in the corner of the ring. Yep. So you you got Peacock Premium. I got Peacock Premium. We can just do this. Perfect. We're balling. We're paying eleven ninety nine. <laughs> the price went up two dollars. I'm I mean, so pissed off up, about that. Yeah, it went up five, of course, because 
Oh, well, I don't know how you were paying for Same. it Same. Yes. Yes. Xfinity? Yes. Did you have Xfinity? Yes. I had my parents' yeah. Xfinity. <laughs> All right. So, yeah, it it was from 10 now to 12. What the heck? You just, I know. You just, took, you just it stripped up. it away from us. Yes. Make us pay $5 more and then add two more dollars. That's Come what on. made me mad. I don't care about the $2, but the fact that you just raised it on me you just did a month it. ago. Right. Like, give me a break, man. Oh. Anyway, we, we're stuck. We're going to pay whatever they want us to pay. Yeah, I have to pay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, 32 minutes, 41 seconds. Let's watch this main event match. Uh, you want to count us down? All right, I'll count down three down to one, then say play. When I say play, we all click play. Three, two, one, play. Stone Cold locking up with The Undertaker. Brian Pillman on commentary. How about that? Pillman's on commentary. Yeah, and Austin, if you notice, still has that big gash or you know stitches on his lip. Yep. So this when was King of the Ring? Like a week before this, or the, the... the night before? Oh, the night before. Wow. So this is a live live episode. Okay. The night after King of the Ring. So immediately right after Austin wins the King of the Ring, cuts that promo. He's, he's stepping up another level. Now he's taking on The Undertaker. Absolutely. You know, he's been up against Mark Merrow, Savio Vega, Aldo Montoya. Now he gets a match with The Undertaker. And it really was something, like, he was not, I mean, he, he wasn't a jobber, but he wasn't, I mean, he was a lower mid-carder there throughout most of 96, you know. Um, and he would, he would pick up wins uh, and stuff, but that King of the Ring that really did boost him, and that's what they used it for back then. Yep. And yeah, yeah you see that's... the stitches right there, busted lip. Yep. Yeah, so a lot of people will say, and I, I think we said this on our podcast, is that after King of the Ring, you thought like things were going to take off for Austin. They don't really seem to for a few months, but they're taking it slow. Yeah. You know? Yeah, he's you on know, the free for all get... pay per view at SummerSlam. Right. <laughs> he's on the pre show. Right, that's the thing that stands out as being like, oh, how come he wasn't on the main show if he won the King of the Ring? But with everything else that you look at throughout July, you can see that there was a transition. Austin was moving on to better opponents and more storyline. They were putting him on commentary more often so that you could hear him and there's more promos. So it's just gradual. It's like they weren't sure yet. It's like, okay... We wanted him to win King of the Ring because of his wrestling ability and, you know, he seems like the next possible top guy. But they weren't positive yet, so they had to give him more mic time and right. more in-ring action with the top stars to see what they really had with him. So uh, it's like the summer of 96 is like a testing ground for him. It is. And you guys talked about it a lot. Like, you know, the myth that gets told in documentaries and things is like, he has Austin 316 promo. The next night, there's people there with Austin 316 signs and homemade T-shirts and stuff. And no, it took, right. it took weeks. It took months. And those things yeah. did start to trickle in. And you would see one or two every now and then. But it wasn't like he was not an overnight success. It still was a gra It was a slow, slow burn. Yeah, there's. I, mean, I don't remember exactly when, but I, I was trying to watch like a hawk to see when the first sign was out and it wasn't until sometime in late fall yeah 96 yeah. yeah 
Yeah. And even the shirts, the Austin 316 shirts, they didn't sell until, they weren't on sale until the Royal Rumble in 97. Nope. That's, that's when they made their debut. Look at Austin there. He attacks Undertaker. He's not afraid of him. And that's one of those things that set Austin apart. He wasn't sitting there like King Mabel, like cowering in fear or, or Kamala or somebody like that. He's yep. taking the fight to Undertaker here. Yeah, he doesn't care. He's banging off great. now. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah, now he is. Some things like, "Hey, I'm coming for you." It's funny. We, that's that was stunning, Steve, right there. You you see little glimpses of stunning Steve yeah. come out in those early days. Yep. Good catch. You know, with Austin, you know his character at this time being no nonsense. Now I'm just thinking of it now, but I think that maybe even influenced the Undertaker to becoming more of a. Badass type character too. Yeah, you know now he has to deal with this guy, so he's got to fight fire with fire. I think unquestionably. I mean, Stone Cold ushered in the Attitude Era, and in doing so, he really forced everybody to up their game, to change, to elevate things, or, or else they were going to get left behind. And if yeah. Undertaker kept doing this same gimmick, hey, he would have yeah. been left behind. Uh, he, he was forced to change, hundred percent. Brian Pillman too. You know, he was a big part of that. Uh, the loose cannon and, and all of that going on there. It was a, a huge part of that. Yep. I don't know. What is King trying to talk to Paul Bear about? Um, <laughs> he just asked Paul Bear if, if Folgers crystals are sitting in that urn right there. I think he's trying to talk to him about <laughs> Undertaker losing the mankind, yeah. the King of the Ring. Yep. And they're, they're setting up the story where, oh, Paul Bear, like, you're not happy with the Undertaker. Yep, starting to tease that. Yeah. Um, so that's a big thing coming off of this here. Stone Cold coming off the King of the Ring win. Undertaker's coming off a loss the night before. Uh, a huge loss to Mankind. So this new guard of the WWF is being ushered in right here. Yep. And do you now think... This is... Go, Go ahead. ahead. Go ahead. I was saying, this is the first of many matches between Undertaker and Stone Cold from this point on. And you know, during... Years to come, 96, 97, 98, and forward. That's exactly what I was going to say. Was Do you think these two <laughs> guys knew how many times they'd be facing off over the next uh, six years? 2002 was their last match? Yeah. Yep, 2002. Yep. Uh, so as an objective person, you, you host the Stone Cold podcast. What's your preferred era of Undertaker? Was it the gray gloves, purple gloves, badass... 9899 mystery of darkness or later like what what do you think when you think undertaker uh, i mean i always go back to the earliest undertaker but i know that's not his best mm. uh, you know that's more of like a nostalgic for me like that's when i was a kid and i remember being shocked by him like in awe by him like wow this this guy's crazy he's like uh horror movie killer in, in right. wrestling. Right. Yeah. You know, so I always hold that, you know, dear. But um beyond that, I think he's at his best during uh the Kane and Undertaker stuff, ninety eight. Yeah. Ninety eight, ninety nine, I guess. I, I even like when they when they finally start to team up too. It's hard I to think, argue that. 
It's the I I love the Dead Man, you know, the original Dead Man, like I was saying, but I like when he sheds away from that. Yeah. And this is I think this right here is kind of the beginning of that. It is. Starting to bring a little bit more of that. He's he's doing a lot more wrestling. He's not he's starting to go away from just the zombie moves and and things like that. So he's starting to show us what he can really do. Yeah, and I think what they're building to here with the Paul Bearer He'll turn on him. I think that only helps him even more because that creates a whole new dynamic in his character. Yeah. And then of course you have mankind being his main foe, and that just that brought helps it out, out of him as well. Too. Absolutely. Oh, we got a commercial. We there. got a uh, WWF Sunny commercial. Right? All my favorites. I would like to feel that. Absolutely. Feel it. Which feel one? it. Touch it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right, Travis isn't here, so I'm, I'm going to ask you: uh, <laughs> F, Mary, Kill, Sable, Sunny, and Marlena. All right. Um, <laughs> all right, F, Mary, Kill. Man, that's a tough choice. <laughs> that's a tough choice. I guess uh, I'll marry Sable. <laughs> oh, okay. I'll marry Sable. I mean, it worked for Brock Lesnar, I guess. And they've been married for a while, so I guess she in well. I guess she had a decent relationship with Mark Murrow. Anyway, but um, yeah, marry Sable, kill Sonny, can't trust her. Woo! And I guess I'll F Molly. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a bad one, but. Nah, I, I cannot turn down uh, Sonny. So she's. She, <laughs> that was my number one. Okay. Uh, and she was my favorite too, as well. I think I marry Marlena. I kill Sable. I just, <laughs> so I would say I wouldn't turn down Sable in real life, but she was never like my number one. So I put Marlena over her personally, but <sighs> peak Marlena. Well, anyway. Oh yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah, Marlena's peak. They're all peak right here. And they were 96. all peak right here. Uh, you know who else is peaking? Is these. Ten guys in the front row with Burger King crowns. <laughs> that was huge back row. then. Yeah. Everybody, Everybody went to Burger they King. Everybody went to a wrestling show made a stop at Burger King yes, and got did. crowns. Got a Whopper and got, got a crown. That <laughs> oh, was great. Oh, you hear that? Jake Roberts, 41 years old. God, he's Oh, that makes me feel ancient. bad. <laughs> I'm 40. So, I know, dude. Isn't that sad? It's like, do I look like Jake the Snake in a year? Because <laughs> he did not look good at 41 years old. I think he wrote a little bit more hard than you have. <laughs> yeah. A little bit. That's true. Oh, man. That's so fun. 41. Like, he's younger than like half of the WWE roster right now. Yeah. <laughs> right. Your edges, your AJ Styles, I mean, all those guys are, are older than older than that right now Jake's one of those guys who always looked old though that's true yeah so yeah he's 41 here and even when you saw him in 86 he looks like he's pushing 40 right, right. <laughs> he's 31 yeah he looks like he's already 40s I, I was just watching some mid-south wrestling recently Good and stuff. He, he shows up there in 84 no early 85 and he looks as old as he does here in 96. Yeah. 
not... his time in WWF, like his his original run, he looked great. In Mid South, he didn't look great. <laughs> he was he was struggling then, as well. He's not what he you'd was... call a body guy. No, he he was not in shape like he was eventually, like in ninety or eighty nine. He was pale, so no tanning yet at that point. His hair wasn't fully grown. He didn't have the mustache. Oh, just don't look good. Well, uh, all right, back to the, what do we got going on here? Crowds looking back options. towards the. Uh, oh, there, there she is. Oh, yeah. Goldust and Marlena. And man, or Undertaker is about to transition to do a feud with Goldust right now. That's right. In '96, he kind of alternated back and forth between Mankind and Goldust a whole bunch. Uh, and Stone Cold working the leg uh, kind of reminds me of their first pay per view match, the the Cold Dan Hell match. There's a lot of a lot of that going on in the match. Yes. Goldust going to join the commentary team. Yeah. So we know. The, the match is not what's important here. It's the stories around this match. It is, yeah. Is what they're focusing Big on. Big time rest hold here. Do you think those guys yep. in the front row were given those Raw t-shirts? Or did they all go go to the merch stand and all buy a Monday Night Raw t-shirt? The guys I the think rest. I think they were given those shirts. <laughs> they had who's, to be, right? Who's choosing those shirts? <laughs> <laughs> You chose the Georgia Animal Steel shirt. I don't know. Or maybe they were the cheapest shirt. It could have been. Maybe they were just like a special. Eh, this one's $10. <laughs> exactly. Comes with a program or something. God. Yeah. Load a bunch of dorks. <laughs> <laughs> Although, they got to see Stone Cold Steve Austin and The Undertaker I on know, Raw. man. And we didn't. <laughs> yeah, who am I to talk? Take or miss not even food. watching. Ooh, Stone Cold takes out. Half of those dudes are looking over at Marlena. Of course. If you're front row, are you not going to be looking at Marlena? <laughs> of course. <laughs> oh, Doc Superstar line. Did you call yeah, it Doc Superstar Hendricks. line? Yeah, Superstar line. Did you call it back in the day? Oh, did I call it? No. I always knew better. I have to call. <laughs> I didn't we, want to get in trouble. <laughs> we had a local one through the newspaper. Like the sports section would have like a a sports hotline and there was a wrestling option and it oh. was actually, it was probably just a guy reading stuff out of the observer. Uh, but it yeah. would have like some behind the scenes stuff. And I remember it was free. It, oh, I, wow. I think maybe I thought it was free. <laughs> and it wasn't, I don't know, but, uh, like it would update once a week, I think. Um, but I would call it, uh, every Tuesday, I think it was. And it was like, uh, rumors and, and, and stuff like that. So it was, one of my first exposures to sort of, you know, behind the scenes stuff. I remember. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. We had a same uh, radio station. I was talking about before they had, they had a wrestling show. Mm-hmm. Now prior to us having a wrestling show, like way before, like in the nineties, like mid nineties, 95, 94. And, they just talk wrestling, what's going on, and I think same thing. They were reading from Observer and just putting information out there, and you could call in, yeah, and ask questions and be part of it. So I I did that, and everyone would give themselves like a nickname, nickname like a gimmick name. So I, I was so creative that I was I was the Rocket, the Rocket, <laughs> Mike Pruitt, yeah, like Owen, Owen Hart, Hart. So, yep. yeah. So I was the Rocket. 
It's funny. I've, I've told this story to friends that didn't know I was doing that. So sometimes I'm <laughs> I'm the rocket. That's just what they call me. <laughs> well, hey, rocket. <laughs> the rocket. Well, how about this full circle to the beginning of the podcast, man? Gold Dust just threw a bunch of gold dust into Undertaker's yeah, face to like end the, the match. Spot. Just like the powder you saw in your first wrestling match. Uh, that's awesome. awesome. I had no idea that was going to happen. But... Um, Paul Bear, oh, look at those shifty eyes right there. <laughs> yeah. He's selling Already, that. A couple right, of months ahead of seeds. time. Yep. That, this, that's what I love about wrestling is when it's planned out and they know what they're doing, it can be great. <laughs> look at Undertaker. It looks like he's coming up on the stage next. <laughs> Just that gold glitter all over his face. <laughs> And Jerry, oh, Jerry Lawler, Lawler trying to stir the pot, as yep. usual. This is one thing that I, I say with wrestling you know, to this very day. They, they'll they let you know what's happening. You oh. just need to pay attention. You pay attention, yeah. You, kn- you know what's happening. Like, this is a dead giveaway. But they're going to make you wait so that you, that you reconsider it. Like, oh, maybe not then, because nothing happened this week. Yeah, I listened to this interview with Paul Heyman, uh, and he was talking – the guy asked him like um so when do you how early do you start thinking about like planting seeds for for a storyline or what's going on he says well i was already thinking before this year's wrestlemania about stuff i could do to set up for next year's wrestlemania so it's like you know he's already got that sort of stuff working in his mind and that's so fun where you can see that stuff starting to go down because yeah as a kid, probably watching that, I probably don't even realize what they're setting up for with Paul Bear right. and Undertaker. Right, you just but, think but Lawler's being annoying. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah. Going back, you can see that. Well, good deal, man. I, I'm glad we watched that, and I'm glad we could uh, you could join me and, and talk about the history and the the celebration, raising the toast to the bottom line wrestling cast. Uh, why don't you uh, remind everybody uh, where they can find the bottom line wrestling cast and where they can find you online? Hey, you can follow us on Twitter at BottomLineCast. Follow me, Mike Pru, at MPRU83. Of course, follow my partner, JV, at John Van Damage. John Van Damage with an H. So, yep, we're on Twitter. Um, we also have a Facebook group. Well, not many people there, but, you know, if, if you want, you can join that. And I don't really use it much at this point. But I'll drop the new episodes there so you get a little heads up. That there's a new episode available but yeah follows on twitter follows on facebook uh instagram as well i should be more active on that because that's probably a better tool to use than twitter <laughs> but you know at this point we're we're in the towards the end of this podcast at least i think probably could go on another five years <laughs> but yeah i'm not super into just spreading the word like find that you find it now at this point <laughs> so but i love continued support and obviously you're continuing to gain listeners with your youtube videos so yeah so if there's somebody that hasn't checked it out please check us out wherever you get your podcast and follows on twitter greatly appreciated and there's a lot of fun fun stories to go back and check out absolutely over 200 episodes probably yeah. with, with all the bonus episodes and everything yeah with all the bonus episodes uh 260 like that 
And they're still coming. Yeah. Uh, the next one's going to be another Stone Cold variety pack coming at you guys uh, sometime here soon. So enjoy that. They got the Stunning Steve episodes coming. Uh, and like Mike said, they still got plenty of more WCW Stone Cold content to get to and just random Stone Cold uh, just ephemera out in the universe uh, that they're going to be covering. Uh, so who knows how much more uh, a Stone Cold podcast you're going to get. Be sure to subscribe to them. Um, subscribe to us. Subscribe to Talking Taker. We will be back with our regularly scheduled Talking Taker episode with Travis on August 1st. We're going to be covering SummerSlam 2008, 15-year anniversary, Undertaker and Edge inside Hell in a Cell. Uh, it's going to be a good one. One of our favorite matches, one of our favorite Undertaker rivalries. It's going to be fun to revisit that one. Uh, I just want to say thanks to you, Mike. Uh, congratulations to you and JV on the consistency, on the quality, and the, and the creativity with your podcast throughout the years. I have enjoyed listening to it. I remember listening to it. Uh, first time I listened to it was the uh, first episode. I guess you sent it to me or, or, or I followed you guys on Twitter or something, but I was um, <laughs> I, I was driving my job at the time was driving. I, I uh, had a temp job where I drove the Google Maps uh, car <laughs> for oh, like really? six months. So I was in the car for eight to ten hours a day. So oh. I was very excited to have a new podcast to listen to. So I listened to those early episodes, uh, driving along the roads uh, for hours at a time. And I've been listening ever since. You guys have grown and improved. And uh, uh, I've really grown to enjoy listening to you guys. It feels like family listening to you guys. And Thank you so much for you guys have always plugged our podcast and you've been a great supporter of our podcast. Uh, so that means a lot, means the world to us. So thank you for that. And uh, cheers. Here's to many more episodes and uh, uh, friendship between us uh, that continues to grow along the way. I hope we can uh, meet up in person one day and do this for real. Yeah, we'll find a way someday. One way sure. or another. Yep, we'll find something yeah. to do. Yeah, thank you for those kind words and all the support that you've given us. It's it's been a great mutual friendship and kind of like a partnership in a way. It's our own so. mini network, you know. Yeah. I mean, PSK, right? The Pod Street Crew, baby. That's it. Pod right Street there. Crew. <laughs> so thanks for having me on, and you know, I didn't know what I was getting into. You know, I told you about my uneasiness with uh, questions, but man, you're darn good interviewer i appreciate <laughs> <So>. that <laughs> yeah yeah you handled me well <laughs> yeah we had fun i hope everybody enjoyed this uh you want to hit the closing line sure it'd be an honor <laughs> take her easy hey listen was, I, wait, I want to ask you a couple of questions what happened to you last night Paul Bear? huh did you drink a little too much formaldehyde or something huh? was your aim a little high? come on tell the people what happened you're like, oh, you must be proud of what you did. Your face looks a little ashen. Come on, tell me. If the Undertaker sees what's going on behind him, he's going to come right after the king. Come on, get, get, look. Look right in there and tell us exactly what happened. Huh? What's in that urn anyway, huh? Folgers, crystals or something? Come on, there it is right there. Speak to me.